Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey guys, gosh, I can't believe we are on episode 15 plus four minisodes deep into this podcast. It's totally surreal. We are overfilled with joy to see how much of a positive impact this has had on so many people. It makes my heart just so happy. So thank you guys. After today, we'll be taking a little break to reset as we dive into creating fresh new content for season two. In the spirit of being fully transparent, we want to let you know that podcasting is so much fun, but it's also not free. So in order to move forward, we'd love to request a few things from you so we can continue navigating this murky journey together. The first way is through monetary support on Patreon, a platform to support creators. You can pledge any dollar amount you want per month. I mean, seriously, $5 a month is like one hipster cup of coffee, right? So you can support us financially by going to patreon.com forward slash heart of dating. It would mean the world. Secondly, would you share this with a friend and would you write a review for us? The more positivity that is spread about this podcast, the more it helps us to become discovered and continue on. Okay, y'all, so now for today's interview. I'm sitting down with the lovely and oh-so-wonderful Jamie Ivey. She is an author, speaker, and I'm completely in love with her podcast, The Happy Hour. Jamie lives in Austin, where she is a proud mama to four kids and the wife to Aaron, who's a worship pastor. Jamie's debut book, If You Only Knew, My Unlikely Unavoidable Story of Becoming Free, released in January 2018, and it was so much of why I wanted to have Jamie on today. Jamie talks about how God transformed her heart and vision for her past through deep healing and an awakening to her worth and value. Guys, she's just so real about who she is, and that's why I love Jamie. What you see is what you get. It's so refreshing. This episode is applicable to basically everyone because we all have a past of some nature. So let's figure out how to approach it with more acceptance and love, shall we? Jamie, girl, I love what you are all about. Welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast today. I'm so happy to be here. This is fun. I feel like I'm hanging out with the cool young kids. <laughs> I love it. Am I the cool young kids? I mean, if I'm the cool young kids, then yes, thank you. You are the cool young kids. I love it. But let's talk about you, girl. You are the cool like boss mom and you're a mom of four, right? Four, four kids. Yes. Oh, my word. Plus, you're a working woman. You do so many things. You have so much joy and energy. I honestly don't even know how you have so much energy. I like barely have energy and I'm a single woman. <laughs> Well, I don't know how I do either. Sometimes I try to kind of push the limit a little bit. Like last week, we had several nights where we were up till midnight. And I'm telling you, I'm like an old woman this week. I'm like, 930 put me in the bed. Uh, But (laughs) we do have a very full life because we have four kids. And so they keep us busy. Yeah, girl, I bet. And so you live in Austin, right? In Texas. And my family's all in Texas. So I'm thinking one of these days, I just have to come down to Austin so we can have some margaritas or something because I love I miss me some Tex-Mex. We will have margaritas, we will have queso, we will have salsa, we'll have yeah. tacos, we'll have all of the best things. Just a day of all the Mexicanness. Yes, yeah, Tex Mexicanness. Yeah, Tex-Mex. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I want to kind of dive in. So can you tell us and all the listeners who maybe don't know about you, what you're all about, um, what you do, and maybe also a little bit, you just launched a book earlier this year. So maybe just a little bit about all of that. Yeah. So I live in Austin, like you said, with my husband, Aaron, and he is a worship pastor at our church here. So that's what brought us Austin 10 years ago uh, is for him to work at this church. And so we have four kids. I have a 14 year old, a 13 year old, a 12 year old and a 10 year old. And so three boys in middle school, one girl about to start her last year of elementary next year. So we're just busy and it's fun. And I love my family to death, but uh, four years ago, I started my podcast. It's called the happy hour with Jamie Ivy. And like, you know, podcasting is so much fun. It is. It's so much it's fun. the best. And so I started my podcast. And since then, we have 
released over 200 shows. We do live events twice a year. I released, oh, yeah. I released a book in January, like you said, which has been a lot of fun. It has been a journey that I had no idea what it was going to be like. And so that's my gig. That's my job. That's what I do. I also get the joy of traveling around and speaking to women at churches and events. Uh, so that's Jamie Ivy work life. That's what I do. Mm, I love it. And I love that we were just talking about margaritas and your, ha- your um, podcast called The Happy Hour. <laughs> When I was thinking about doing a show, I was thinking to myself, what I wanted it to emulate a happy hour with my girlfriends, you know? And so when we would get together, like you and your friends probably get together, you talk about everything. I mean, everything from your story, what's happened in your life, uh, what God's teaching you to where you like the best breakfast taco. It's just everything. And so that's what I wanted the happy hour to be. I love it so much. I love it so much. And for everyone listening, if you haven't heard Jamie Ivey's podcast, you got to go listen. The Happy Hour is one of my favorites. She has so many incredible guests. So definitely take a listen. Um, okay, Jamie. So today, we're obviously, this is a dating podcast. So we're here to talk about some things having to do with dating. And um, so today, kind of like the theme of some of the what I want to talk about today is really coming to the throne of grace and being vulnerable in relationships. And in your book, If You Only Knew, you really talk openly about your story and the story that you felt in ways afraid to share for a really long time. And I just want to say really quick that I find you to be just so strong, Jamie, and so brave. Um, Your vulnerability on the pages of this book, it just, it moved me personally in so many ways. And I want to tell you especially why it did is because I was reading it and I felt like you were just pouring out your heart and soul and I could feel you talking. It was like you were talking to me, like I was in the room and um, I felt like, felt like I could even hear your tone. So it was just so beautiful. So thank you for that intimate and powerful book. Yeah, I, I know that part of your story has to do about dating, um, feeling loved, embracing who you are in relationships um, and in life, but amidst the brokenness. So would you just mind sharing a little bit of your story with us as it relates to those areas. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for your kind words. Mm. It is just warms my heart because it was a very vulnerable story for me to tell. Um, You know, I I always need to say that the beginning part of this book and most of the story that I tell in this book, you know, that happened 20 years ago for me. And so God Mm. has done so much in my life since then that although it's not the easiest thing for me to talk about, it doesn't bring up the emotions like it did, you know, 20, 15, even 10 years ago, because God has done so much in my world. Uh, So a little bit of backstory about me is I grew up going to church all the time. Uh, My parents are both Christians. I have a great two parent home and they love me well, like a great family life. Um, And so we always, I grew up always going to church. So church was just like, it was just a part of our thing. I just, Everybody I knew went to church. I mean, I didn't know anyone that didn't go to church. And so we grew up going to church my whole life. And so I would have said at that time when I was younger that I was a follower of Jesus. I would have said that I was a Christian. Um, I walked down the aisle and, you know, accepted Jesus into my heart and all the things at 10 years old and got baptized. And I just did what I thought, you know, looking back, it's been kind of hard for me, Kate, to realize like, okay, was this or wasn't it? And I think it's a mute point. I I don't kind of dwell on that anymore because what happened next in my life when I got into early high school is I started completely just living for myself. So turned 16, had my first kiss at 16, which is kind of late, I feel Mm. like sometimes, but I'm like, please, Jesus, I want my kids to not have their first kiss until they're older. I just, I just don't want that. Yeah. Now that you have kids, you're like, (laughs) no, "No." "No, that's too young. It's too young. Um, I'm a 14 year old. Uh, So I had my first kiss at 16, uh, followed by my first taste of alcohol, followed quickly by my first sexual encounter. And so I really, Mm -hmm. really um, started pursuing, you know, quote unquote, the things of the world. I started pursuing things that I felt would make me happy, pursuing things that I thought would kind of fill Mm -hmm. this void in my heart, which looking back, I realized that I I didn't trust God with that, with my happiness. I didn't trust God that he loved me um, fully. I didn't trust God that I was known fully by him. And so um, honestly, I don't think that I, that I did have a relationship with Jesus. So I started, you know, living a pretty, um, different lifestyle that I had been brought up. And and the funny thing about that is looking back, and I think some people can relate to this is I wasn't like a quote unquote bad kid. You know what I mean? It's not like 
Yeah. I, mean, I wasn't yeah. out just sleeping around every weekend with whoever. I wasn't doing drugs. Those things I felt made me like not that bad. Uh, but I just. Yeah, you're like, I'm just going to parties on occasion, just kissing yeah, you boys. I was, like, I was yeah. being loyal to my boyfriend. I was like cheating. I mean, yeah. you know, so I just kind of put all these things in my brain. It's I'm not that bad, uh, but I really was just kind of seeking and searching things to make me happy. And and that just led to a lifestyle. Then I went off to college and I started to kind of, I think when I went to college is when I said, you know what, I'm going here. I don't know anyone at this college. I'm going to be who I want to be. And that was that girl. I wanted to do whatever I wanted. I didn't want to follow Jesus. I didn't want him to, I didn't want to feel like I was under his rules. And he was, I felt like God was making my life or he wanted my life to be no fun. That's what I felt. Mm, Um, Yeah. That's so. Yeah. And I went to college and just did my own thing. And, and that led to some hardships. Um, I don't know how far you want me to go, but you know, in college when I was uh, 19, I found myself pregnant. And so it was just, it it was honestly getting pregnant was, it was a hard thing for me because I knew that this is not how things were supposed to go. But in that moment, I felt like, okay, well, this is just how my life's going to be. I, I, I'm going to marry this guy and mm-hmm. we're going to start a family. And I, I, I don't think this is how I wanted my life to go, but here I am. Uh, but rock, that wasn't even yeah. rock bottom for me. Rock bottom was a couple of weeks later when I actually had a miscarriage. Oh, and so I lost that baby in a miscarriage. And that's kind of where I kind of went. It's like, it's like all this and you go, wait, where am I? Like what's happening? Uh, it was this moment of, I, I, what what has happened with the last seven years of my life? That's kind of what happened in that moment. And just as you had accepted like potentially your new future, then something immediately happens that's totally different paradigm. And then you're stuck feeling like, wait, I just accepted this, but now I'm dealing with oh, this trauma. Totally. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I was young. I was 19. I didn't even know how to grieve the loss of a child because I was actually kind of happy. Mm-hmm. And, and then that's a, a weird mix of emotions for someone to have to deal with at 19. And so I ended up heading back home and living with my parents. And that was kind of rock bottom for me because I was back home. My parents were fabulous. They were gracious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was never made to feel less than or you know anything like that. Um, but it was just, I was back with my family, going to church with them. And it was in that moment of me trying to figure out who am I? Like, like, Am I this party girl, sleep around, get drunk all the time? Is that me? Or am, is there something more? Mm. Like, am I, am I someone who's going to trust God with my life? And it was, I didn't, I didn't know who I was. I was trying to figure that out. And so I understand that mm. I don't know who I am or where I belong type of feeling. And honestly, for me, the thought of following Jesus was really, really scary. It was really scary uh, because I, in, mm. my, in my mind, I was having a lot of fun in this lifestyle. But I was also getting hurt a lot, you know, like there was also a lot of pain involved mm. that I don't think I truly understood until I was on the other side of it. Does that make sense? Like, I think I just, I just dealt with the pain. Oh, totally. Um, and then when I started following Jesus, I thought, man, I went through a lot of hurt and pain that I could have avoided. Yeah, we kind of like sometimes when that happens, I feel like I like to say we just put it in a little box in the corner of the room and we're like, I'm good. I keep moving forward. I keep more. It's like little, little things that we put into this box until the box is like piled up and filled and it's all the way in the corner, but it it's not going away. It's not cleaning itself, itself yes. right? It's still no, there. And then you're right. <laughs> it's that still going to be there. It just starts and then it overflows and then it does eventually overflow into your life. And I felt as though, yeah. um, like I said, once I was on the other side, you know, a couple of years later when I'm following Jesus and pursuing him in my dating relationships and in my life, <clears throat> that's when I would look back and see, golly, I didn't even know that box existed. And it was so full and it was so hurtful for me and so mm-hmm. harmful um, just for my character, my emotional well-being, my spiritual well-being, my physical well-being, you know, all kinds of things. I did not know how hard that yeah. was until I was on the flip side, you know, and then, you yeah. know, and so. I then, you know, lived with my parents mm-hmm. and trying to get my life back together. And that's when I went to Passion Conference. Uh, yeah. In 1998, I never can remember the date. And I still, I wrote about it and everything. And I still have to think 30 times when I say it. It's so confusing because it's in January. Yeah. And I think I actually, oh, yeah. It is actually, January, I think I yeah. went in January of 1999. That's what it was. January of 1999. Okay. Um, and God really got a hold of my life there. And that's when I kind of decided I, I want, I want to follow him and I want to be different. And that was hard. It was, it was a hard transition yeah. for me. Um, but that's when my life started to change. 
So girl, there is just so much in your story and I know there's even more than that. So something I want to ask you though is, um, gosh, when we are, when coming to relationships, when we have a past, when there's things that we have gone through that are, that maybe we potentially even put in that box, like we were just saying, um, in many ways, when we don't feel like we're being fully fulfilled by Jesus and we're not allowing that in, we can look to relationships maybe to fill a void. Do you feel like in any way while you were going through this journey that you potentially did look to relationships to fill a void? Oh, 100%. A mm-hmm. 100%. I was just talking with some girls yesterday um, about I volunteer at the jail. So I'm talking to these women in the jail. And we, and yeah. We, oh, I love yeah, that. And we have been talking about... I think the discussion question was like 13 traits that make you a magnet for abusers. I mean, big, heavy things. But one of them was fear of being alone. And I was talking to them and I was like, y'all, that's where I, I found myself. I still struggle with that now. And I'm perfectly content and like Mm. my marriage, everything, but just struggle of what if something happens. But when I was younger and dating, it was always, I always had a boyfriend. Mm. Always. Like I can think of like three weeks of my life, but I didn't have a boyfriend. And so I just always had this fear of being alone. Mm. And I think what that, what that did for me is I was wanting to fulfill something that was never meant to fulfill by another person even. Um, and that was, you know, contentment with Jesus. And that sounds really like big churchy, but I just, I don't think that I was allowing him to be enough for me. Mm. Um, and you know, and here I am, you know, on the flip side, 17 years married. And I'm telling you what I struggled with then doesn't go away. Yeah. You know, even though I, even though I'm married, oh, for sure. that, that struggle does not go away. And so I still have to deal with that. But yeah, looking back, that was definitely an issue for me of not wanting to be alone and feeling that void with boys for sure. Boys, I, you know what, girl, as you're saying it, like I, I was the same thing in terms of like, I constantly fulfilled my life and my spare time with boys. And I remember one year in high school, I think I was 16 and had 16 boyfriends that year. And I'm not like proud of that. (laughs) weird number combination but it just was true it was like I was getting all the attention I was a new girl at the school and it was like okay what guy can fulfill me next what guy can speak to my heart and my identity because in feeling broken from xyz different factors we can often look to relationships to fill that void and even though that happened to us both like you and I when we were more in our teenage years like that can carry into further later years in life and when you're in your 20s as well And we just, we look sometimes to relationships to fill this identity and void that can only be filled in Jesus, right? And I know Tim Keller talks about this tool as well, is that if we're not, we all need some sort of fuel. And if we're not being fueled by Jesus, if we're not constantly stopping into the fuel tank of Jesus, we're constantly looking for fuel elsewhere, which is usually through relationships. And that's where guys come in and guys do the same thing. I call it the emotional love tank where they like to, you know, fill their emotional love tank with someone. Um, Well, both sexes do, honestly. But okay, so I want to talk to you about something here. One of the chapters in your book is called sin shock and you define it as, I'm just going to read it. When someone confesses their sin, their sin is brought to light and people around them are shocked by what they're seeing and hearing. Why do you think in some ways that, this kind of sin shock stunts us in dating? Well, you know, well, for a lot of reasons, but dating is scary because becoming vulnerable with someone about maybe struggles you have currently, struggles you've had in the past, sin that you've dealt with, um, that's a very vulnerable situation because you're basically, it's like you're standing there naked in front of someone, but not really. Like, don't do that in your dating relationship, you guys. But it's like- (laughs) No nudity yet. (laughs) No nudity, guys. Come on. But it does feel that vulnerable as if you're saying, hey, here's all of me. Here's what I am. And so um, I think anytime we do that, and especially in dating relationships, there's this tendency when someone opens up and their story is, I'm going to use air quotes here because- Sin is sin is sin is sin is sin. Yeah. But air quotes here, if their sin or their struggle is worse than yours, um, in whatever kind of like whatever kind of scope or scale you put sin on, yeah. uh, which that's which is a whole topic there. But um, mm-hmm. if you feel as though what they've struggled with or their sin is worse than yours, there would be this tendency um, to kind of be shocked by it. And sin shock would mean that you would look at them as you hear what they're saying and think, I would never do that. You're worse than me. How could you do that? You're really shocked by the fact that this person is a sinner. And 
you know, I think that that can be really detrimental in relationships because of the shame that that puts on someone. Mm. Um, you know, that shock, it automatically puts shame on them. And then it automatically causes them to realize, you know, because we're human and we go, well, I don't want to get hurt again. So don't do that again. Don't open up. And that leads to, it leads to this cycle of just kind of hiding and keeping things to yourself feeling as though you don't measure up uh, to this person Mm -hmm. when really we need to be looking, you know, to God and say, Hey, what are your, what do you want me to do? What are your measurements for my life? And not to this person that's sitting in front Mm -hmm. of us. And so I think it can be detrimental because it can cause shame and it can cause people to not be vulnerable and open anymore in that relationship. Mm, Totally agree. And uh, something, so I think that is something in the Christian church that we really have to be aware of, especially in dating, because we all have different stories. But like you just said, sin is sin is sin is sin. And so I've dealt with this personally. Um, I have quite a story as do so many people. But in sharing that story with other people I've had in the past in dating relationships, people react like, oh, my gosh, really? And it comes to this point of, okay, I may have dealt with those things myself. And I actually feel at a really good healing place in my life. But by having that reaction, it all of a sudden makes me question, wait, 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 wait. I thought I was washing the blood of Jesus. But now I'm like, being rewired to all these negative thoughts that I used to have in the past, and now re questioning it and almost having to go through re- like reheal from yeah. because those wounds are being brought back up. It's so interesting by just that response from someone else that it can trigger all of these like really negative thought processes. Totally, totally. <clears throat> um, I think something to even think about in dating when you're sharing your story is like, I think that vulnerability is a phenomenal thing. I mean, I yeah. preach vulnerability. Um, and I think it is a beautiful thing within the church and that we need to be more vulnerable with with each other. True. But I also think vulnerability can be a very big kind of buzzword right now. Like, oh, let's be vulnerable. Mm. But I think vulnerability without pointing to Jesus is just, hey, look at me. And so when we're being vulnerable with our stories, it's always to point people to the cross. It's always to point people to the gospel. It's always to point people to say, hey, look at my story. Look at my struggles. But look how much bigger and greater Jesus is Mm. because he still loves me. He still pursues me. He still died for me. All of those things. And so when I think about like telling your story, yeah. like, and we'll talk about, I'm sure about when I told Aaron my story, that's my husband, but when you tell your story to someone, I think their response is a really good indicator of how much they understand the gospel. Oh yeah. Like, so if, if someone's going to tell me their story and, and, and I know you want to talk about like how you deal with someone having a different past when you start dating, if someone's going to tell me my story and it's different than mine, harder, quote unquote, worse, whatever, how big is my view of the gospel? Like how how grand and how much do I trust and believe that God actually did come to save sinners, which we are all one, you know, and Paul, like Paul says, I am the worst. So, um, you know, I think it's just an understanding of the gospel of what does it actually mean that God sent his son to die for us? Well, that means that, that your sin and my sin are taken on. Like they're, they're, they're at the cross and like, look what God's done in you. Uh, and so I think we need to have a good understanding of the gospel when we're listening to people's stories as well. Mm, So true. So can I just ask you, do you like to wind down with some wine every once in a while? What about some wine delivery? I mean, I'm raising my hand over here. I would not complain about some wine delivery. So there is this incredible company called Wink that actually customizes your wine preferences and handpicks four bottles of wine just for you and delivers them to your front door every month. It's pretty much a wine club, but it also happens to be one of the easiest to use and also the number one rated with no cancellation fees. They also exclusively sell summer water, which is my favorite rosé. So when you sign up, they have you take a palate test. Maybe you don't really know what you like in wine, so this is great because it will help you figure that out. Or maybe you do know what you really love, so this will help you discover more wines that are perfect for your developed taste. They ask you questions like, how do you like your coffee? Strong and black, of course. Or how do you feel about salt? Do you like mushrooms or truffles? From there, they recommend four bottles just for you. But don't worry, you can also customize it to whatever you like, you guys. They deliver all four bottles to your door free of charge. Each month, you get four different bottles, but you can modify or skip any scheduled order. You can also cancel any time with no issues. Their bottles start at just $13, so they're really nice. 
And today, you guys, you can get Wink for $25 off, which is basically like two bottles of free wine. Yes, please. To get this amazing promotion, you can go to trywink.com slash HOD podcast. That's trywink, W-I-N-C dot com slash HOD podcast. And if you're questioning this at all right now, I just want to ask you, this would be incredible for a date night, don't you think? So why not? So I do want to just then you mentioned your story with Aaron and when you met Aaron after so many years of going through all of these things and the miscarriage and everything, just so many heartbreaking things in your life, um, you started dating this incredible man of God, Aaron, who's now your husband. And you knew that there were things that you wanted to eventually share about your story with him. And I love that in your story specifically, it says you knew that you were going to tell Aaron that you were ready to tell him. And you were like, okay, I have some things to tell you. And I love that his initial response was just, okay. Okay. And instead of like questioning it, he didn't question you. He didn't pry. He didn't interrogate you at all. He just said a warm and welcoming okay, which in a way indicates, right, that no matter what you were going to say, he was accepting of you and nothing could change his view of you. I mean, he had no idea what was coming. When someone says, I need to tell you some things about my past, it's like, okay. You know, like it could be in your mind, you might be like, but his response was just so like, okay, not phase. Like I'm, I'm here to listen whenever you are ready. I'm, my arms are open. You are accepted. It creates such a place for safety. So I'd love to just hear you talk a little bit more about that and, um, and how it actually went down when you did decide to tell him about your story. Yeah. So Aaron and I started dating, um, December of 99. So I was, you know, new to this following Jesus thing, although I knew all about like the Bible and, you know, yeah, all, I knew all the right things to say because I'd grown up in mm-hmm. church. Right. So, but actually saying, Hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to, you know, give up some of these desires that I've had, you know, with sex and things. And so I was kind of, an, I call myself a new believer then, although, you know, I was just, I was new to following Jesus and Aaron and I started dating. And, um, I remember on our very first date, I looked at him and said, Hey, so there are some things I need to tell about my past, but I'm just not ready to tell you yet. Because here's the thing with vulnerability. Like I didn't want to just lay it out on the table and then be like, okay, see ya. Like that would have been really hard for me to handle. And then he would have had parts of my story that I wasn't ready to trust him True. with. You know? Yes, like I'd love to talk about that too in a, a bit. Like the timing. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal for me. Like when you share your story, you're welcoming someone in and saying, hey, will you hold this really gently with me? And so that's a scary mm. place to be. Um, I think for sometimes women like that was, it would have been easier for me to welcome in a girlfriend, you know, a friend and share her this, but a potential mm. dating relationship. To, and, and I knew that Aaron was this quote unquote, really good guy, which, you know, looking back, you know, Aaron would say, you make me sound really amazing. And he was really amazing. His sin was just <laughs> different than mine, you know? And so yeah. it's just different. Yeah. So we went on a date and I told him that, and he said, okay, you can tell me whenever you want, which really threw me for a loop because like you said, someone comes to me and they're like, Hey, I have a lot of things that you want to tell you, but I want to tell you yet. I'm like, well, dude, I'm out. Like until you're ready, I'm out. I don't know. I'm not waiting on this. Uh, now I'm like, what I is know. it? And oh you're my like, gosh, my mind is spinning. To see, like, have they been? In yeah. What's happening? Here? <laughs> yeah, immediately googling them, asking everyone who oh, knows yeah. them, "Can you tell me?" Oh, <laughs> well, this is Recon, I can become a professional stalker yes. if I want. Way before to be. okay. social media, so thank goodness I did not have social media when I was in college. But anyhow, um, and so I tell him that, and he's like, "Fine." So we continue to date, and um, this mm. was the first dating relationship I ever had with a Christian. Um, it was the first dating wow. relationship I ever had as a Christian. And so it was new for me. Um, I remember at first I had to really deal with believing that he liked me because he, we weren't sleeping together. Like I, I, I didn't know, mm. like that was just, it, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to date without yeah. giving someone everything about everything of me. So we're dating. It's new for me. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is, you know, he was working at a church oh, wow. and some people actually told him he shouldn't date me. Oh my god! I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't. Looking back though, I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. What would I say to my kids? I was, 
I was I was the girl that walked into church that everyone was like, okay, she's got a story. What's going on here? You know, like I'm wearing dresses that are too short to be wearing to church. You know, oh, I'm just, I was, I was a rough mess, you guys. But thank goodness Aaron, you know, saw through that. But anyhow, so we're dating. And during that whole spring semester of us dating, we're both in college. And I'm just praying, God, I, I need to tell him, like, I really feel like I'm going to marry this guy, which was so weird for me. And I just he was totally different than any guy I'd ever dated. But when I started to feel like, I think I'm going to marry this guy is when I thought I have got to bring him in on this. Like this, we cannot date much longer without me telling him this. Um, and so I prayed that whole semester, God, will you show me when, like make it so clear, make yeah. it so clear when I was supposed to tell him. And then I prayed, will you just prepare his heart to hear it? Um, prepare him because I knew that he had not had my story at all. In fact, I was the first girl he ever kissed, Oh wow. which meant our backgrounds in dating were a tad bit different, you know? Yeah. And so, Oh my word. You're like, okay, yes. sexual past and only and me, kiss one yes, girl. Okay. You know? And so um, yeah, I yeah. had to prepare his heart because I knew that maybe that was going to be too much for him. And maybe he would think this is just not what I mm. wanted, which now I'm like, well, you would have missed out on a really great girl, but whatever. So um, I, we were at a retreat with our students cause he was a youth, he was in youth ministry and we were down at the beach here in Texas, probably, you know, a couple hours from home. And we were one night on the beach and we had a communion service. And so Aaron was leading worship and we were down there with a bunch of kids and then everyone left and I just stayed there. Like I, it was just, you know, you've had those like moments with God that yeah. you never forget. Like this was one of them for me. Oh gosh, So I'm yeah. on the beach and I'm just, I'm praying and then I'm crying and I, I felt God, I just felt, I, I, it feels weird just, but you know what I mean? If yeah, you've ever totally. felt like God just putting something on my heart and mm -hmm. it was just, I felt, and I had asked him, tell mm. me when, tell me when. And it's like a heat in your heart. You're like, I knew oh my gosh. saying, and he answered my prayer. Cause I said, you know, to make it so clear. And I knew within my heart, mm. it was so clear. And so I thought, I didn't know how it was going to go down because here I am at the beach by myself and I knew this was it. And then Aaron walked down and you know, it's funny because I said this whole thing, I don't get emotional about talking about my past, but I always get emotional when I talk about this night. Yeah. Like I already got, I just got tears in my eyes. I know. Um, so Aaron comes down and he meets me on the beach and I think he knew, I mean, I think he knew. And that semester I had grown so much in my faith. I mean, it was just, I was falling in love with Jesus so much. Mm. Um, and so he sits down with me at the beach and I say, I'm ready to tell you. And he was like, okay. And so he held my hands and I mean, there's no light. It's like the moon and the waves. Mm. And, um, I laid it all out on the table. I told him everything more than it's in the book. I mean, everything was on the table. I just knew that I had to get it all out, not hold anything back. Mm. And I cried and of course, I hadn't worked through a lot of this. I felt a lot of shame and embarrassed and sad that I thought that I was ending this relationship by telling him these things. And he looked across the, you know, he was holding, we were holding hands and he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, that's not even the girl that I know. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Mm. And I just remember in that moment, I, I was starting to believe that God felt that about me. And it would take me years to truly believe that. But in that moment, it was as if this human person, someone I loved and was growing to love and really thought I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this man. It was as if he looked at me as much as humanly possible, the way that God looks at me. Oh God, yeah. And I just, I had, I had felt that obviously from my parents, but this was close. This was different. I mean, this is, mm -hmm. a, it's a different kind of relationship than your parental relationship. And I I really believe that that was the beginning of my healing of having someone that was going to commit his life to me say, these things, they don't matter to me. Like this is, they don't define you. It's not who you are. And so that was when I told Aaron my whole story. And then we were married oh a year gosh, later. Girl. It's just so beautiful. The way he handled that with so much tenderness, so much grace, so much love, like you just said it, but it's like, that's how Jesus loves us. Right. It's like with that kind of, I don't have an ounce of judgment towards you. You could do anything. I will still love you. And just looking at someone in that way, uh, which, I mean, it takes, I think, so much of understanding how much Jesus loves us to be able to share that love with someone else and have that kind of love for mm -hmm. someone else. And so I think you just sharing that is just so beautiful because what it did for you is it allowed you to be in this place where, oh my gosh, my story that I've built up for so long in my mind, that is this hard, really like deep burden. 
and that I thought that no one else maybe would accept, or especially this guy, it now gives you the freedom to say, oh my gosh, no, I am forgiven and I am accepted and I am loved. And it's okay for me to share that with someone and it, they're not going to look at me differently. Oh gosh, it is it is so important in relationships because the more we hold back vulnerability, and I do want to touch on like the timing of vulnerability and all of that, but it allows us like, I think you say this too, that nothing good comes from not being seen, right? And not being known. So the more we keep that in, the which a lot of people do, they're afraid to, because maybe like the churches, they, they have so much shame built up inside of them that they think that if by, they really share the deep parts of their story, they're really known. And as a three on the Enneagram, I struggle with this a lot because me as an achiever, I really care about what other people think about me. Um, and that tore me up for years where I just had to put on a perfect facade. And I think though, so often we do that. We do that in relationships, especially. And we just want to show everyone our good side. Dating is all about like, mm, let me just show you how great of a husband I can be or how great of a wife I can be and not let you into like, maybe like the true real me, which is, is yeah. still great, but can be a little bit broken and messy too. Yeah. Yeah. I think also just to add yeah. to that about, you know, Aaron and, and, and also like I told you, I prayed my guts out that spring yes. semester for God to prepare his heart. And I really think that's what happened. I mean, Aaron's a great guy and he was a great guy then, but I think that something supernatural happened then mm. um, because that was a hard conversation. Um, but I think also understanding how much Jesus loves us helps us do that. I think understanding also how much our sin hurts him helps us do that as well because yeah. it's not like he's putting us up in a line with the best people the people with the least amount of sin over here or the people with the most amount of sin over here and then he's not loving us less or more according to that and so i think understanding that as well as there's just like how how could aaron have said oh well your sin is worse than my sin mm. you know what i mean like yeah. now granted i had a lot more consequences for my sexual sin consequences that carried into marriage. I mean, like there's lots of consequences for sexual sin, um, but it's not the worst thing you could ever do. Right. That means you're worse than I am. That I think that I grew up and I felt like the church said to us, don't have sex, don't drink alcohol. Those are the two worst things you could oh, ever yeah. do. And I just think that set people, a lot of people for failure because they're like, well, I did screw up. Now I'm just damned to be no good. Mm. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a false reality of the gospel as well, is that God is such a loving and forgiving God that there's hope for those of us, those of you who have messed up sexually. So mm. soap, soapbox, I'm getting off my soapbox. We can no, but that soapbox <laughs> is so good, girl, because I actually talked about this with someone else, actually a girlfriend of mine, you know her, Kat, Kat Harris, but we talked about how damaging that can be that, you know, some of the message from the church that we receive is that <clears throat> if you've engaged in sexual sin, like it is, it is it's not fixable, <laughs> irrefixable. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for those individuals who have remained abstinent, it's so beautiful. But we have to be able to come to a place because if we have relationships where one person has a sexual past and another person does not, we can have a moment of saying, okay, yes, my sexual sin, I repent with the Lord for that. And I want to give that the weight that it deserves that like, I'm not proud of that. But I know Jesus wa washes me white as snow. But we have to be able to come together to say, okay, we are still on an equal playing field here. And I think that a lot of people, if they haven't had sexual encounters in the past and they're coming into a relationship with someone who maybe has, they're like, there's some level of maybe a little bit of righteousness sometimes that you can see. And totally. I think that's super, super dangerous. And I'm speaking from a place of Very like dangerous. experiencing that in relationship. And it can be really dangerous because like I said earlier, like all the the places where I felt healed from my sexual past were then rebrought up when someone, you know, responded to me in such a way that of like shocked about my sexual past, you know? Yeah. And let me tell you, that will carry on into marriage, yeah. that like self-righteous stuff that carries on in. And sex is a beautiful thing. And it's a big part of marriage. But let me tell you, it's not the biggest part of marriage. Yeah. Like there's so much more to being married than having sex. Yeah. And so when you're looking at a relationship and you're saying, well, I have saved myself and they haven't. I don't think we're compatible. That's a really, really scary place to be mm -hmm. because sex is not the entirety that marriage is built on. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a gift that God gave, you know, people who are married. Um, but it's just that kind of self-righteous behavior carries on into marriage. And then 
15 years in, it's not about sex anymore. It's about something else, Ooh, yeah. you know? And so that's a scary place to be. Okay. So we, can we talk just quickly to you about vulnerability and timing? Because you prayed so intently for this. And I think it's just really good to talk about it too, because some people, they enter into a relationship and they're like, let me just tell you everything about me. Here you go. Word vomit, all the things, you know, they're just like, let me get it out. Or conversely, you have people who are so afraid, right? And that they don't even, again, like we kind of already touched on that too, but there's a facade of, I'm just going to show them my absolute best self and not let them into any deep, dark areas. So what are your thoughts on just navigating the timing of vulnerability? Because I love Brené Brown. She talks about it so much in vulnerability, but um, it's it's uncertainty, it's risk, it's emotional exposure, and it can be risky for us. And it takes a lot of bravery and courage, but it needs to happen. Uh, but it needs to happen safely. Yeah, totally. And I just want to say, you know, you talk about how we are sometimes afraid in the church of sharing our story because of what people might think of us. And, you know, the truth is you're going to get hurt. It's because we are humans. We are humans revealing our brokenness to other humans that are broken. And so there is this risk of I'm going to get hurt. And you might mm. like, I, I don't want to set this up as like, oh, be vulnerable, yeah. share your heart and life is grand. Um, because I've been hurt before from sharing my story. Totally. And uh, so I think there's just to know that to talk about that as well, that you could get hurt. Mm -hmm. So sharing your story is not just so that everyone likes you. You know, sometimes it's just an act of obedience that God's asked you to be vulnerable. Yes. So within dating, I, you know, I'm definitely not a dating expert. So don't know, you know, nobody take this down. <laughs> none of us are, girl. That's the whole thing is that none of us are dating experts. So it's like, we're, that's why we're here. <laughs> yes. But I will say this for my particular personality, you know, although it seems as though I, I'd like to walk through my story with close people because I put it all in a book. But again, that was 20 years ago. Mm. I did walk through that with close stories. Yeah. There are things that are happening in my life right now that are vulnerable that won't see a book, you know, because yeah. it's my journey. And so I think for me walking into that relationship with Aaron, um, there was something different about him. And uh, I, I kind of knew a couple of months into this, I think I could marry this guy. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I could marry that. This is the kind of guy I want to spend the rest of my life with. And so for me, I knew that I had, I couldn't, go into a relationship for much longer, knowing that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with this man without letting them in to those hard places. And, um, I think in going into a marriage, complete vulnerability is high, mm -hmm. high, 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 totally. high, high on the list. I'm not saying you need to explain every encounter that ever happened, but I think we need to get things on the table so that Satan does not have yeah. a way to get in and kind of make a space bring a couple apart. Um, and so for me, it was super important to get everything on the table. Um, and that, that rolls over into marriage. You know, there are times when you have to be vulnerable about hard things that yeah. you don't want to talk about, but that practice of doing that early on and the grace that someone shows. And so just like, when should I share? How soon, man, I, I would, I would, you know, be cautious if you're just yeah. casually dating. Um, I don't think you need to lead anyone on. I don't think you need to be, um, you don't need to hide things, but, and I think that you can be vague with some mm -hmm. things as well. You know, um, I don't think I wanted, I would have wanted to pour my heart out to someone that I was just casually dating. That would yeah. not have been important to me. Um, I don't know that I would even wanted to pour my heart out to someone if I wasn't definitely sure that I could spend yeah. the rest of my life with this person. And so, you know, I have other opinions about casual dating anyways, but that's not what you're asking me. But um... <laughs> no, I'm into hearing that too, girl. I'm into hearing that too. Well, something I just want to say on that point is that sometimes breeding or sharing vulnerability too early can kind of create a false sense of intimacy. Totally. In some ways Thank too. you for saying that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. For mm -hmm. like the, the other person wasn't really into, or that you may feel as though you have something that's not there that could lead to you kind of exposing yourself in other ways as well. Yes. Yeah. So I think carefully navigating it when there's a really high level of true commitment and not hiding things, just maybe saying, hey, thank you so much for asking that. That's a really sacred part of my life. I will definitely would love to, you know, pray on that and share that with you when I'm really ready. Yeah. Um, maybe a response like that if someone asks you a question that you're not ready to answer. Yeah. Um, but being really prayerful about it, not hiding it, but just being careful that there's a really healthy level of true commitment yeah. before yes. being truly vulnerable. So you said casual dating. What are your thoughts on casual dating? I don't really know. I wish I wouldn't have said that because I was like, oh crap, she's going to ask me. I haven't, I haven't dated in a really long time, you guys. And no, so, it, there's no right or wrong I, answer. That's why we're here, you know? 
I, I will say as a mom of the four kids, when I think about my boys dating, um, I joke all the time. One of my boys has always been, has already been kind of hurt by a girl. Like none of them are allowed to date. Mm-hmm. Like you're not dating. I, I, we even say like, you can't have a girlfriend. Like, what are you going to do? Like, where are you going to, it's just, to me, I'm like, you're just setting yourself up to get heartbroken. And I don't want my babies to get their hearts broken. So I joke all the time with my boys. I'm like, girls will, they will tear you up and they will chew you up and spit you out. Stay away. And then <laughs> like, my oh. oldest was like, I know, I know. My oldest was like, so do you never want us to date? I'm like, well, no, when you're older and you find a nice Christian girl who loves you and loves Jesus and loves your mom, she has to love me too. Like, you know, so as a mom to boys and to a girl who are younger, but they're about, you know, they're about to be teenagers. To me, I think, you know, dating, yeah. I think it should be purposeful. I really, really do. And it's not that I'm not going to let my kids date in high school. I'm not like, we're not psycho like that. That's not psycho. I shouldn't say that. I just really think that dating should be purposeful. And so when you are older and you're thinking, okay, I think I could be married right now, that the casual dating new people every couple of months, I think it's wearing on your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I... Cat, cat, hit your our mutual friend. Yeah. We've actually talked about this a little bit, and I think it's just hard for a person to kind of give themselves away. And I'm not talking physically, but like emotionally, maybe over and over again. That's got to be super, oh, super draining. Yeah. And so, for me, I think that dating should be super purposeful. And I know I sound like an old woman when I say that, but I just really, really. You do. know what? Though it's not. You're not an old woman because the thing that I always say is, dating with intention is super is important. It's vital, right? And so you have to make your intentions clear. It's not to say you can't. What I say is go on a first date that is less than 90 minutes. It's less than a $10 investment. You go to coffee, you find out about someone. It could be someone you barely know or a friend in your community where you're like, this could be potential. Now, you know, and then it could still that could almost if it's not romantic, just be a friend, you know, hangout instead of a true date. Right. And so it's like, you got to really be intentional of like, yes, I intentionally want to spend this time with you. But once you figured out, you know, maybe through a few times of doing that, that there's potentially no romantic interest, then you just continue on being friends and that's okay. But to like really examine everyone, I think the problem in dating is that we go into a first date being like, this person's going to be my husband. So I'm going to like, when you don't even like know anything yeah, about yeah. them yet. See, your answer is much better. See, you, you listen, y'all listen to Kate. Yes, no, yes, no, yes. No. Good job. Good job. No, but I love it. It's true. We need to have some sort of intention and it has to be purposeful. So what you said is totally true. And we can't just go, because also earlier what you mentioned is like dating Aaron was a different paradigm for you because you had to be more emotionally, spiritually invested in him before you were at all physically invested. And I think what our culture and society does is they flip it, right? So it's like, let's be physical first. And that's easier for me. Let me just be physical and then I'll be emotional. When we, when we switch that and we don't make physical first, um, we have to be truly intentional with making emotions a priority and um, be intentional with that and purposeful and not just like, Oh, I want to, I want to eventually make out with this person. So that's right. why I'm going on a yes. date, <laughs> which I mean, in the Christian church yeah. still happens, girl, still happens. Okay, girl, this has been so much fun talking to you today. So I ask everyone the same question at the end of every interview. So I just want to ask you quickly, if you had one piece of nugget dating advice, what would it be? Oh gosh. Okay. Let me think one piece of advice for dating. This is what it would be. Okay. Are you ready? And here comes another yes. soapbox. I'm sorry. I love it. No, do the soapbox. Do it. Here do it, it. Here it is. <laughs> I, my thing that I want um, single people to know that are, that are dating is that um, marriage will not complete you. Um, that marriage will not complete you. And that person that you're dating is not going to make you whole. Uh, I think that so many t- single people struggle with singleness because they feel as though they're not complete or they feel as though they can't have the best in life because they don't have a partner. And although I am a huge fan of marriage, I scream about it from the rooftops. I love my husband. I love being married. It's one of God's greatest gifts to me. I also know that I am not more whole or a better Christian or can be better used by God because I'm married. Um, in fact, scripture actually talks a little bit different about it as well. If we're going to go there, you know, totally. I just read this morning where Paul was talking to Corinthians about, Hey, single and widow people. Yeah. It's better to be single. It's like, better to be there single. It is. Yeah. And you know what, Jamie, is that our culture doesn't create a space for celebrating singleness too. And I think I, I, I will say I love my church so much and we are doing such a great job at 
dealing with the issues of women and singleness, and we are elevating both of them. And here's, but here's what I see a lot of times in churches is that it is just like, you're married and then you can do something. Yes. Or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The single people, you guys just have a mixer on Wednesday night, but the married people, that's who's doing the real work for the kingdom. And that is so false and it is not true. It is not true. It is not true. And so all of the things that I struggled with pre-marriage, let me tell you, marriage doesn't heal those. It doesn't heal them. And so uh, just know marriage is not the end all be all. That's my soapbox. So good. We have to get ourselves right with Jesus before, before, you know, I mean, like it's always going to be a process, but we have to know who we are in Jesus. Yeah. Something I just want to say to that, it, like that point of um, kind of what the church does is I was just recently talking about a friend with a friend about this and she wrote a book and it's so difficult as an author for her as a single woman. She's like, how do I compete in a way with all the authors that I love who are all married? It's weird because people just don't value it almost the same way sometimes just because she's single. And I just think that that is such a problem. That is such a problem. I hate that. And we, oh, me too. I'm like, girl. And she, I mean, it's not that she believes that. She's like, this is just how it has been. And it's so unfortunate. We have to be able to create a place of, if you are single, you might be experiencing some loneliness, but your life is not going to be any that much more valuable just because you're married. Yeah. And I had to learn that as a married woman from my single yeah. friends of even having to reevaluate, how do I set things up? What stories do I use as illustrations in my talks? How do I even talk about marriage? Do I talk about it as if this thing completes me, it, you know, maybe in a, a way I'm not meaning True. to, but do I portray that marriage is the best thing that could ever happen to you? Um, and again, I love it. It's a beautiful gift that God's given me. Um, but I just want you to know if you're not married, uh, that it is not your greatest, it's not your greatest mm. calling either. Like that is, that is yeah. a false lie as well. Your greatest calling is not to be a wife and a mother. Your greatest calling is to lift high in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so yeah. you can do that that way. Jamie, today was so fun. Where can everyone find you on Instagram, online? Where can they get your book? Tell us all the things. So Instagram is my favorite yes. and here's why it's my favorite because people are nice and there's pretty pictures and it's just, it's nice. I, I like love being it out there. So I'm at, yes, I'm Jamie Ivy over there. Uh, Twitter I'm there, but I, I don't engage. It's, it's a rough place for me to hang out. Uh, <laughs> but you can find me. Jamieivy.com is my webpage and you can find the podcast there. You can look it up on iTunes. You can get the book anywhere. Books are sold, Amazon, whatever. So incredible girl today was so fun. I'm definitely coming out to Austin at some point. We're getting those margaritas and Tex-Mex. It's going to happen. I cannot wait. I'm serious. <laughs> Thank you just so much for your time today and sharing your story, girl. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Jamie Ivey is just the best, isn't she, y'all? To be honest, I was truly honored that a podcast extraordinaire would come in my podcast. From what she shared with us today, it is so evident that we need to come to the throne of grace with one another in relationships. When you share your story with someone, it's as if you're saying, hey, will you carry and hold this gently with me? Gosh, I just love that picture. When we open our hearts and are vulnerable, or when someone is vulnerable with us, we have to recognize how precious that is. I love that Jamie says that the other person's response to our vulnerability is a great indicator of how much they understand the gospel. How big is our view of the gospel? How grand is it? How much do we truly understand and believe that God came to save sinners? Oh, I hope you all feel inspired to just handle vulnerability with more love and more gentleness. Jamie's book was so good and easy to read, so I just highly recommend you check it out and take a listen to her podcast, The Happy Hour, and be sure also to stay up to date with her on social media. She is so much fun. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heart of dating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends.